Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special topical study on the Holy Spirit, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. In honor of Super Bowl Sunday, listen to me. I'm going to read you something. A man... Let me have your attention. If you're listening, say amen. Amen. A man received a free ticket to the Super Bowl from his company. Unfortunately, when he got to the stadium, he realized the seat is in the last row in the corner of the stadium. And he was closer to the Goodyear blimp than the field. (laughs) About halfway through the first quarter, he noticed an empty seat 10 rows off the field right on the 50 yard line. He decides to take a chance and make his way through the stadium and around the security guards to the empty seat. As he sits down, he asks the gentleman sitting next to him, excuse me, is anyone sitting here? The man said no. Very excited to be in a great seat for the game, he said to the man next to him, who in their right mind would have a seat like this at the Super Bowl and not use it? Well, the man said, well, actually, the seat belongs to me. I was supposed to come with my wife, but she passed away. This is the first Super Bowl we haven't been together in 30 years. The man said, oh, I'm sorry. You couldn't find someone to take the seat, a relative or a close friend? The man said, no. He said, they're all at the funeral. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Copies available at the service. This is really good. Thank you. Thank you, seven people over there. (laughs) That's really good for the Super Bowl Sunday. Other than that, it's not so great. Okay, fine. So, you're ready to hear the word. Say amen. amen. If you've been with us, you know that we are in a series of teachings titled How to Live and Walk in the Spirit. So this morning, we're going to talk about there's a war going on. I want you to get your pen, get your pad, get your heart. There's a war going on. And it's not a war between the United States, Russia, and Ukraine. It's a war between the flesh and the spirit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? A war between the old nature and the new nature. Let me give it to you early The one that wins, in terms of the old nature, new nature, the one that wins is the one you feed the most. So I've titled this sermon, Walking in the Spirit, Part 1, obviously, Lord willing. We'll talk about Part 2 next week. Walking in the Spirit, Part 1. We'll look at two texts individually this morning. We'll look at Galatians chapter 3. Did I tell you all to turn to Galatians 3? What I say? Galatians 3 and 5. 
Galatians 3 and 5. Y'all got to forgive me this morning. Is it all right? Galatians chapter 3, we'll look at uh, verses 1 through 3, and then we'll come back and look at uh, Galatians 5, 16 through 24, 25. Uh, That being said, Galatians chapter 3, and we're looking at verse 1. Galatians 3, verse 1, you at home. Galatians 3, verse 1, if you're looking at verse 1, Galatians 3, say amen. Amen. O foolish Galatians, Paul writes... Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Somebody read this with me. Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Stop right there. Give me your attention. The book of Galatians um, it is a wonderful, wonderful book. I actually struggle uh, not to teach Galatians often because it is a wonderful book. Somebody once said that uh, called the book of Galatians the Declaration of Independence of Christian Liberty. The Declaration of Independence for Christian Liberty. It's a great book. Galatia is a region or a territory. Galatia is not a church and it is not a city. It's a, an area, almost like uh, RDU is not a city. It's several cities in an area. On the map, if you go and take a look on the modern-day map, Galatia is now Turkey. In the region of Galatia, there were cities, a few cities, a couple of three cities, Philippi, Ephesus, and Colossae. In that day... People from Galatia were considered country bumpkins because, or backwoods people, if you will, uh, ancient hillbillies, if you will, uh, because uh, they were uneducated. It doesn't mean they were, it's just what the culture during that time thought of them. And because they were uneducated, they were kind of country folks that just didn't have Uh, the humanistic modern-day philosophies of the ancient world. Who cares? But they call them hillbillies, and they, they, again, was uneducated. Well, in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 1, Paul says, I want you to look at verse 1. Would you look at it? Paul says, O foolish Galatians. Other translations read verse 1 like this. The New English Bible, you stupid Galatians. The Amplified Bible, oh, you poor, silly, thoughtless, unreflecting, senseless Galatians. The, uh, the, the Phillips translation, oh, you dear idiots. I don't say that. That's what the translations say. Go look it up for yourself. Paul says, you poor, silly, thoughtless, unreflecting Galatians. There's one thing, Paul says, go ahead and look at it. One thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And notice in verse three, are you so foolish having begun where saints are you now being made? Come on, perfect by the flesh. These Galatian believers had begun in the spirit. They had begun in the power of the spirit. Paul is saying you confessed and believed on Jesus. You've been justified. 
and sanctified and blessed by the spirit of God. But now you have abandoned the work of the Holy Spirit and now you're seeking to become perfect or mature is the word in your own fleshly efforts. Now, that sounds like the church today, doesn't it? It sounds like the situation of many Christian lives today. You know, it's a huge problem, in my humble opinion, huge problem in the Christian church today. Many churches have started in the spirit. And then we see later they de-emphasize the ministry of the Holy Spirit and they begin to depend on works. And I got to say that this is one of the things that we here at Calvary Chapel have strived to maintain. You know, some striving is good. Oh, the servant of the Lord must not strive. Well, hold on, partner. Some striving is good. We need to strive to be obedient to the word of God. That's a good thing. And we need to strive to hold on to the ministry of the Holy Spirit and to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us because the Holy Spirit began the good work at Calvary Chapel Cary. And we need to strive to make sure that the Holy Spirit has a, has an open door to continue to move Calvary Chapel Cary by the Spirit. And and it is a very dangerous thing, guys, I will tell you. There have been mountains to climb seeking to remain in the spirit because after churches get some size and they get some property and they get some uh, resources. People want to take the movement of the Holy Spirit and make it into a machine. I know what I'm talking about. They wanted to become a machine. And now, now before you know it, the church is run like a corporation. How many of y'all know that the church is not a corporation? The church, the church is not an organization. It is a living organism. Moved and led by the Holy Spirit. And just like a church has to be mindful and a pastor has to be mindful, you have to be mindful in your own life that you who began in the spirit, you think you're going to be made perfect in the flesh. All of a sudden you couldn't help yourself before the spirit. You can't help yourself now. Come on, wave at me. Just wave at me. Uh huh. You can't help yourself. We need the spirit of God. Am I right? And many, many, many churches and people de-emphasize the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Unfortunately, many evangelical, biblically oriented in their theology churches run away from the ministry of the Holy Spirit. and They turn to self. Psychology and therapies and humanistic treatments have crept into the church. And I say this and some of you won't like it. But you're going to be all right. Am I right about it? You're going to be all right. Listen to me. Any humanistic idea, any therapeutic idea, any pragmatic idea that attempts to change a Christian's behavior, you are eliminating the Holy Spirit. I told some of y'all wouldn't like it. I told you that. I told you didn't like it. 
So when we start to go to the world and we start to go to when we start to go to like humanistic approaches to our life. And I'm talking to Christians now. I'm not talking to non-Christians. Okay, if you're not a believer, well, this one's not for you. But if you're a believer, you need to hear me. When we go to the world and the world, because they don't know Jesus, they give to you humanistic, therapeutic, pragmatic, seven easy ways to be a happier person. You're eliminating the work of the Holy Spirit. And Paul is saying, you began in the spirit. Why are you seeking to be made perfect in the flesh? Or in this case, in the context, going back under the law. So you're moving away from the righteousness that was given to you and provided for you by Jesus Christ. So you but you go back under the law. This is what they were doing because there were false teachers and there are false teachers in every age. Who were coming into the church saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Jesus, you know, Jesus and all that. Careful people when people go, Jesus and all that. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I get it, Jesus. And and they were coming in to the church. Now, keep in mind, these were uneducated people. And that's why I'm trying to, that's why I told you that, because they really didn't know. And Christianity had just been born. And the church had just been born. So they didn't know. But these legalistic religious people were coming into the church telling these new baby believers that is Jesus plus this equals salvation. So here's the equation. Jesus plus Zippo equals salvation. And Jesus, conversely, and Jesus minus Zippo equals salvation. It is Jesus And Jesus alone. Don't let anybody put you on a legalistic work trip. So here are these unsuspecting believers are now seeking to move back under the law. And Paul says, listen, I want to know from you guys, did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? The only way to be perfected in the Christian life is by the Holy Spirit. It's not something that you can engineer on your own. Which then made me think of Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 11. Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 11 reads, Has a nation changed its gods, which are not gods? But my people have changed their glory for what does not profit. Be astonished, O heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, says the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and they've hewn for themselves broken cisterns that cannot hold water. God is saying to Israel, you have forsaken the fountain of living water, and that is your first evil. And your second evil is that they had hewn for themselves broken cisterns that could not hold water. In other words, God is saying to them, they had God in fullness. They had the fountain of spiritual life when they started out. But then they turned from him to cisterns, which is not a source of anything. A cistern, what is that, Pastor Rod? A cistern is just a container. 
This cup could be a cistern. But that's all it is. It just is a made of clay. Oh, this is nice. Just made a made of clay. So God is saying to them, you're turning to a container. And might I add a broken container at that? It's foolish to be a Christian and turn from the fountain of living water, right? Turning away from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is to turn to broken cisterns. And if you want spiritual life, and if you want spiritual power, you have to live in the Spirit. With that, Galatians chapter 5. Very practical here. Galatians chapter 5, very practical portion of scripture. Everybody good? You're still good? Say amen. Now look at verse 16, Galatians 5, 16. Paul the apostle writing. I say then, can you just read verse 16 with me? Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh, lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are the works of the flesh are evident, obvious, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and a lot of stuff. Y'all looking at it? And the like, of which I tell you before, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such. There is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And in verse 25, somebody come on, read it with me. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. So stop right there. Look at verse 16 again. As Paul, the apostle says, I say, then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, guys, this couldn't be more clear. An obvious statement. People, I don't read the Bible because it doesn't make sense. And it, oh, you need some, got to find the hidden meanings and count every other letter and put them all together and discover the code and crack the code that's written in this. There's no code. Stop it. This couldn't be more clear. Walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You won't walk in the flesh if you walk in the spirit. Simple people. Now notice Paul doesn't say walk after the spirit. Good to know, good to read what the Bible doesn't say or not read, understand what the Bible doesn't say. Bible doesn't say walk after the spirit. The Bible doesn't say walk with the spirit. The Bible says to walk what? In the spirit. So if the Bible tells us clearly to walk in the spirit, then we need to know what it is. 
and what it is not. So what does it mean to walk in the spirit? Write that down. What does it mean to walk in the spirit? To walk, the word walk, is in the present tense command in the Greek language, and it implies a constant step-by-step pace, progress, walk, and keep on walking. It implies taking a series of small steps in the same direction over a long period of time. To walk in the Spirit means letting your conduct be directed by the Holy Spirit, making progress in your life by relying on the Holy Spirit to guide every part of your life. Letting, let me say it again, walking in the Spirit means letting your conduct be directed by the Holy Spirit, making progress in your life by relying on the Holy Spirit to guide every part of your life. Walking, you know this, is slow, right? Compared to driving or running or flying, uh, walking isn't very flashy, huh? Not unless you're a flashy walker, whatever that means, (laughs) But walking isn't very flashy. Walking can be tedious and slow and dull and downright boring. But if you want to get from point A to point B, you're going to have to put one foot in front of the other and start walking, and you don't stop until you get there. The Christian life is described as a walk. Here's some verses, and there are many more, but here's just a few I kind of pulled out really quickly. Ephesians 4, 2 through 3 tells us to walk in humility. Ephesians 2, 10, walk in good works. Ephesians 4, 17, walk differently, I wrote, than unsaved folk. Romans 13, 13, walk in purity. 1 Corinthians 7, 17, walk in contentment. Take your phone and take a snap if you like. 1 Corinthians 7, 17, walk in contentment. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, walk in faith. 2 Thessalonians 3, 6, walk separated lives. 3 John 3, 4, walk in the truth. And there are many, many, many other verses. I'll tell you a little secret. Look at me. Look at me very closely. You at home, listen to me closely. A little secret that I want you to tell everybody. Amen. The key to walking in the spirit. Listen, this is very important. The key to walking in the spirit is controlling your mind. Now, I look, I, I have a Pentecostal background. I come from uh, Kojic, Church of God in Christ. And I know for many, many years of my Christian life, I thought walking in the spirit meant that the spirit of God just kind of takes over your life and makes you do what he wants you to do. And 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 walking in the spirit and talking about spiritual things was a very mystical thing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Mystical meaning I didn't know what it was about. And I don't think the people who were talking about it quite honestly knew what it was about. Amen. So it was very mystical and nobody understood it. And I, I, I don't even know that I ever got sound teaching about walking in the spirit. Anybody know what I'm talking about still? Okay. 
And now, as many years have now gone by, I know and I have learned not only what I know and what I've learned, but I know the Bible teaches very clearly that walking in the spirit is about controlling your mind. Now, in verse, we're going to come back to that in just one second. In verse 20 through 21, we have a list of the works of the flesh, which is a result of not walking in the spirit. Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, and the like. Paul says, and the like. That means in anything like all this, any fleshly behaviors like any of this, Paul says, this is the result of not walking in the spirit. Now, very important again, verses 20 through 21. Can you write this down? Verse 20 through 21 are symptoms of a greater weakness. Verses 20 through 21 are symptoms of a great, greater weakness. The mind. All sin starts with the heart and with the mind. So if that be the case, I'm going to develop that in just a second. But if that be the case, then all of these things, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, contentions, jealousies, and all of these things are a result of a uncontrolled mind and an uncontrolled heart. All sin starts in the mind and in the heart. It was Jesus who said that in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 28. Jesus, don't you remember, he said, but I say unto you that whoever looks, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery in their heart. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.